Hello again, this is Noah and John, and uh, we are from Urban Digs. We're at Talk in Manhattan. We're at Heiberg and Associates today. We're doing something different. We got another attorney on. Yeah, we got Jamie Heiberger on, and we're going to be talking about uh, avoiding pitfalls and deals and getting, getting things done, basically. Uh, and the crazy stuff that happens in this market. Yes, right? a lot of it. I know, and I know you want to talk about it, right? So, a little bit about you first. Okay, how, sure. how long have you been doing this for? I've been doing this for about, I'd say, Close to 30 years. Okay. I opened up 25 years ago, but I've been doing real estate for about 30 years now. Okay, so you've seen everything. I've seen a lot. In New York City? In New York City. Okay, so you're an expert. Okay. I like to think so. Um, this show is usually with agents, and we yeah. usually talk about what's going on in the front lines of, of Manhattan real estate because it's a declining market, it's a challenging market, it's a sluggish market, and people are trying to fill in the gaps of what's happening. Right. So let's talk on the real estate side. Sure. So my first question really is, um, do you get a sense of, of how challenging the market is from an agent's perspective or buyers and sellers from an attorney perspective? Or? I mean, I sense how challenging it is because the, as the attorney, we're on, this, we're on the same transaction as the agents are. So when their deals are taking an extra week or an extra two weeks or mm -hmm. ultimately falling apart, yeah. we're seeing the same thing. And we're seeing that more now than ever. I feel like buyers are really taking their time. They're waiting for all of the answers to be uncovered and not really afraid to walk away. I mean, every deal from everywhere I turn from all the agents, it's just deals are taking that long. And deals, I feel like deals are falling apart more than ever before. Right. You know, I'm speaking to agents and I'm hearing that a lot from them that all six of my deals, they're all done. You know, like they started up, I was with an agent the other day that I speak to quite frequently and he told me that, you know, all six of his deals that he thought he had are done. Yeah. So, that's seeing, crazy. seeing a lot of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, is it because the buyers? Is it because the buyers or you think are just walking away because they're looking for something, or is it on both sides? Or, I, I think mean, that their tolerance level is yeah. really low, and I don't know if it's a function of you know they think it can be, mm -hmm. you know that they think that there's so much inventory out there that sellers are desperate that they can just take their time and they'll find something else, mm -hmm. uh, or that. I mean, I think that's really that's what it is. That's interesting. So basically, a problem that might not have been a problem is all of a sudden perceived as a problem because you're so sensitive. Correct. To, yeah. Correct. And just lower level of tolerance. Like, you know, they have in their mind that it should be, you know, everything should be a certain way. And when it's not, mm -hmm. they either have to get it there or they'll move on. Right. Um, in general, okay, buyers, sellers, even agents. What are some of the pitfalls that they need to kind of like avoid? Are there any specific things they need to avoid? Um, I know you hear stuff like, you gotta use a Manhattan-based co-op and condo, which sure. are, why is that? Stuff like that, or any other sure. ideas that can make a smoother transaction? Yeah, I mean, it, without a doubt, I mean, using a New York attorney is always going to be, of course, beneficial to somebody that's out in the suburbs or Westchester, or mm -hmm. just not, not a local. But putting that aside, I, the biggest thing that I'm seeing and I feel like if I was sitting in a room of agents because I'm so frequently teaching to a lot of agents and mm -hmm. I repeat myself over and over about the same exact thing but I'm going to say it again and I've watched it destroy deals the last two weeks alone I can think of a handful of deals. The, the agents are not doing their homework before the deals are getting listed and in, that's in a way? huge problem. In what way? I mean the biggest thing that I find is on, is on the issues that would exist at the city agencies like the Department of Buildings. Uh -huh, okay. That's really the biggest pitfall that people are having right now and it is by far, I mean it's the biggest thing that's gone in the way of my deals getting signed up sooner rather than later, if at all. And are these like stop work orders or are you, are you just talking about the entire gamut of building You know, there's such, there's such a wide variety of things yeah. that go on and the examples I'm talking about 
they were really easy things. Mm -hmm. You know, all you have to do is go onto the Department of Buildings website and on the front screen, look to see if there's an open job. Yeah. If there's an open job, that's such an easy one to find because when you go on there and find open jobs, unlike if you go to jobs file, jobs filed, I can understand you're getting like yeah. 150 could be there, a thousand could be there. Yeah. Open jobs, it's gonna be a very small, it, you know, maybe a page, maybe two pages. Mm -hmm. And if you just go on that and see the apartment number there, you can address this and potentially have it closed out before you even have an accepted I mean, offer. I mean, here's here's the thing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate, all right? Because okay. um, transparency is good at the end of the day. Sure. Um, so a seller broker that just got the exclusive listing, usually what they do is they contact the managing agent and they get all the details on what the board's thinking, what's in the board minutes, or there are any um, uh, major capital improvements happening, are there any assessments going to happen. Um, I don't think they usually go to the public sites like this and have, we were talking about this, John. Yeah. We were talking about like, there should be one thing, we always thought connected with the management company, that all of the open public elements of that building are all compiled and aggregated to the management company. And then when a buyer or seller conducts due diligence, not only do, it's almost like a, like a deal sheet for you guys, right. right? A deal sheet for you guys that are listening, gives you all the information to you, for you to start your job and do your attorney due diligence, right? right. Well, for us, it would be great that not only, if we can go to management company and get all of this information, including the public violations and any other things, so that we can now just pass this on to the buyers and say, hey, by the way, here's all the public stuff, just so you know beforehand. But the public stuff could come up at any time. Right. Yeah. And if true. it's and if and if nothing was filed, there's yeah. nothing to come up. Right. So and that we, happens a lot. I'm that sure. happens a lot as well. So if that's the case, you need to know that too. Yeah. I mean, I had a deal not that long ago, more close since then. It took until we were in contract for us to finally get to the bottom of the story because my client knew it was renovated. Mm -hmm. We were told it was renovated, but everybody was saying it was cosmetics. As it turns out, it was about, a, I want to say it was like a $250,000 renovation yeah. that wasn't filed for. We ended up closing, the seller ended up getting the job filed for and closed out and get a letter of completion. But the whole thing got so delayed and it almost yeah. fell apart over it. And even yeah. something like that, just knowing, well, the place is renovated, it wasn't filed for, well, how did the work get done? And kind of hammering out those details beforehand. And for the record, this kind of stuff wasn't really a problem in past markets, in past years? 2013, 14, 15? You know, I've thinking? always been look big at looking at the city stuff. It's right. always been my thing. I've, I started out off my career literally down in the trenches, down at DOB, ECB, HBD, the housing court and understanding the situation. So I've always been really keen on looking at this stuff and understanding right. it and making sure that everything, I know exactly what's gone on before, during, after. Right. But it's when, you know, when, when it's a seller's market, yeah. everyone's tolerance yeah. is, is different. Yeah. So in a seller's market, they don't want to lose the place. Yeah, okay, there's an open permit, you know, they can move past it. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just curious, so in, in this situation where you have this renovation that no one quite knows what happened, why is it important if it wasn't filed for and it looks okay? Why do they need to see what happened? That's the first question. And the second question is, normally we don't, or most agents don't recommend inspections because the inspector can come in and maybe look at the apartment, but they can't look at the building's roof or the mechanicals or behind the wall. Well, they can look at it, but I mean, they can't put it into like things. But it's mostly like shelf life things. Yeah, like shelf life. This many years left on the boilers. You know, when nothing's happened, you know, they, they did the work, they don't mm -hmm. fall for it, and it hasn't been a problem and it's existed. Is it really a problem? No, it's not. But when you go to sell the place, there's going to be, you're gonna end up in the same situation. Yeah, okay. And unfortunately, when you have work that wasn't filed for, either 
the buyer has to take it as is, which most buyers are not going to. That's the problem. So we did get a price adjustment on my situation. Yeah, on that one. I mean, because the concern is it's not up to code, and if it gets if it gets discovered, their job to fix it is going to cost X amount. Here's of money. the other things because yeah. there's so many different things that can happen. One thing that can happen is all of a sudden there's a problem in the apartment, yep. and the condo won't pay for it because the prior owner yeah. must have moved a pipe and didn't have right. permission to move a pipe. Right. Once and that, and that's that, why they didn't file. And that, right. Yeah, yeah. And that alone. Well, what happens, why people don't file is they hire non-licensed uh, contractors. Right. Or if, they, no license, or if they're not licensed, or they, they can't file. They do something that the building architect would probably not approve. Exactly. Right. Exactly. The two big ones. Right. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, general building due diligence. General building right. due diligence. Like, I'm, I'm a buyer. I um, retain you as my services for my Sure. Account. You're basically looking at the offering plan, you're looking at the two years building financials, you're looking at the contract, you're looking at the board minutes, right? You're looking at the general stuff, the co-op condo questionnaire. Um, I look at the building financials and I always thought that it should be flat. All right, so the building has X expenses, they have X sure. revenue, they generally run flat. Some buildings run at a loss. Okay. Sometimes buyers see this, and get nervous. Well, first they go, why, why is the building not making right. money? To which I always say, it's not It's not a corporation that's supposed to be a profitable, right. for-profit corporation. Right. If you're in a lucky enough situation to do that, great. Take care of some debt, refinance something, do some MCI, whatever. Right. But for a buyer looking at this, and, and I always told them that if a building's operating at slight loss, I was like, that's not uncommon. Right. Is that true? Is that not true? Oh, no, it's totally true. It's not uncommon at all because, you know, just like any corporation, we don't really want, we're not really looking to have revenue. Yeah. Uh, we don't want revenue at the right. end of the year. Whatever you have left, you're going to pay taxes on. Right. So you are really looking to go flat. And it's not, some buildings are a little bit above, some are a little bit below, some are a lot below. The idea behind it really is, I think from my perspective, and I know that the banks look at it this way too, mm -hmm. you're really looking at what works for a particular building. So one building might have zero reserves and run negative, but every single year when that happens and they get to the end of the year, they say, okay, so we're gonna increase the maintenance. That's how they deal with it. Right. Or we're going to institute an assessment. Maybe that works for that building. Right. Other buildings, you know, they just always keep a reserve. Mm -hmm. And when they when they, something comes up, they go into that. So if a bank C is like, okay, well, they've been acting this way, the same way for the last 10 years, it works. Mm -hmm. right. You know, so, so it's really what works for When does it become a red flag? Like at what right. point? Is there like a threshold that you look for? Is it like, all right, they've been operating at a loss for 10 years now. Their, their reserves are at, at zero. Uh, you know. I mean, like when do you say something to the buyer? Like there's a problem here. Well, I mean, I don't know that it's my place to necessarily say something other than just give them the facts. Mm -hmm. So if if I'm looking at, if I'm reviewing the due diligence on a building and there's no money in the bank, it's been negative, it was negative last year. Mm -hmm. And now let's just say hypothetically, it's been negative and even if it's been negative, that's not a reason to discourage somebody from buying. Right. The things that are going to discourage somebody from buying is, will a bank loan at this building? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one of the big criteria that you're going to look at. Even if your particular buyer is paying cash, mm -hmm. you just want to make sure it's a financeable building. So is it, all right, this is really interesting. So if I'm a buyer and I go into the situation and I encounter a building that's in that scenario and has been losing money for years and there's zero in the reserves, right. one of the things I can do to kind of, for my own peace of mind, or the buyer broker for the buyer can do for the peace of mind, is to somehow talk to a lender and see if they can kind of get the building on, on an approved list or something. Uh, yeah, just yeah. to see if they would loan in the building. And the answer is probably going to be that they would. Right. Because historically, just no matter how bad the financials might look, right. generally speaking, the banks are only not going to loan if 
the building has this underlying sponsor litigation, mm -hmm. or not a sponsor, but some form of a litigation that is not covered by insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, the building doesn't have adequate property insurance, mm -hmm. or it's uh, too many, too, too high concentration of non either. Non-owner occupants. Yeah, non-owner occupants, too many investors, too many right. sponsor units, something like that. Other right. than that, they're loaning. Right. Building could run very negative and banks are still gonna loan. Right. You know, I'm really just gonna be more concerned with, with is it feasible that they can improve from where they are now? Right, hey, if, if you have this conversation you just yeah. had with me with the client, I mean, I get it. Right. Well, one of the things you mentioned earlier was it, it's a good idea for agents to do their homework on a building before it the listing. Is. And that's on the Department of Building, the public information side. So what about on the financial side? Should they be talking about the building's financials with prospective buyers before they kind of get to the deal stage? So attorneys don't have to come and say, you know what, this building's been running flat and most likely you're going to have a, a rent increase all you know, the way down the line. You know, it's always good to have a general idea of how a building functions. So if nothing else, I mean, some, there are agents that will actually get the financials in advance. Mm -hmm. So they kind of, their client has an idea, they'll send me financials and then I'll be able to, you know, have an educated conversation with them about it before an offer even comes in. The vast majority don't have the financials and it's mm -hmm. not necessarily just because they don't ask. A lot of buildings, I think, don't, I, I think you can't really get them until you're at that point of having the accepted offer. Right. And a lot of buyers don't understand that. A lot of buyers actually think, why will you not give me this information? I'm like, you know what, if you gave that information out to every single buyer that asked for it and became common practice for you to walk into a place and immediately ask all those financials, right. do, you know much, do you know how much printing and how much money that would right. cost? I mean, they're charging for all this stuff now, right? Right. They do. They do. Um, you know, but I, I do think, just in answer to your question, it doesn't take very much. I mean, even on the financial due diligence, they can, what I'll get, and I think it's a very prudent thing to do. I have agents that will email me and ask if I've ever... You know, oh, just today, in fact, somebody emailed me and said that they were doing a deal. They wanted to know if I knew a lender that recently financed at 184 Ken. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just a random email I got from an agent today. And I did. I had my office look it up and they gave them the bank. I don't remember who it was. It may have been, I forgot which bank it was. It's not, not important. But the point is, is that you can call around. Like, if you really yeah. don't know, yeah. Ask around, you know, yeah. go into your network and just shoot out an email. Like I, I even. But could you I, get that from like the Acres, the UCC filings? You know, sometimes, you're not, sometimes you don't. You know, yeah. you know, it's about current information also yeah. because the reality is, is that in the financials that we're seeing, by the time we're actually seeing the audited financials, at least a solid year at least has gone by. Yeah. And where's the real relevance yeah, as to where we are listen, right now? You know what? I always talk about this when in terms of comps and everything. It's always about recency versus relevancy. There's, yeah. This is an e-liquid market. A lot of buildings have one trade a year or two trades a year. I mean, so like people have to understand this is a market where there's not a lot of data Correct. And we're constantly, I mean, the, the, the accuracy documents have something, but they have the MERS system, which mm -hmm. is like the mortgage electronic recording True. system, something like that. And I think a lot of banks do that, and it doesn't really show the actual bank, I think. So no, it actually yeah. hides it under this MERS umbrella, so it could be one of 12 different banks that's kind of sure. underneath it. Um, but it would be super interesting to be able to contact that person, you know, and ask questions on, on the process of the building. Absolutely. You know? you know, I think it's very fluid though and it depends upon what's going on for a particular person. Like, are they yeah. financing and what's going to be required there versus, you know, somebody's needs, one person's needs are one thing versus somebody else's. Yeah. So it's, it's really, it comes a lot, down a lot to your particular buyer. True. All right. Very, very interesting. Um, this is a challenging market. We do have a lot of agents listening to this. So I'm just curious, how, how can agents keep things smooth in the whole, I just fired, I finally got the bid and the ass to get together. You're seeing it's taking longer to get deals done. Oh, yeah. I mean, how do you see that? Because agents are just 
don't screw this up for me. <laughs> it took me two weeks to get this deal yeah. done, and if you messed this up. I mean, my world is speaking to agents all day long, so I just yeah. know. We talk about it all day long, how long everything is taking. But How long are things taking right now, by the way? You know, I, I, where it was definitely, I felt like I could tell somebody, look, within a week we're going to be done. I really feel like it's pushing into that second week and even the end of that second week right, right. now, which is longer than it was. Right. It was like a week to 10 days. I feel like we're getting closer to like 10, mm-hmm. 10 days right now plus. Yeah. Uh, trying not to, but it's just what and it's And your happening. due diligence takes how many days? For the you know, it really depends. It depends upon. I could have my due diligence done in a day or two days if, you got if the I had everything. And thing. that's the key: is yeah. getting your stuff together before you have the accepted offer. Okay, so that, that answers this question, which was, how do you keep a smooth transaction? Is agents, you got to have all the stuff, have, have all, all the deal sheet stuff. item ready, have the offering plan. Ask your seller. Ask your seller up front. They should have the offering plan from the prior transaction. And if they don't, tell them you're gonna have to pay for this and provide it. And you know, the other thing that I always recommend that agents do. I, when, I, when I have an accepted offer, I'm going to send my questionnaire into the managing mm-hmm. agent and I'm going to send an intake sheet to my client. That intake sheet is asking if I'm on the buy side of a deal, I'm going to be asking things like, are you getting financing? Uh, how are you closing? Mm-hmm. Um, the, Exclusions? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it, is it going to be as an LLC, a trust, whatever, whatever the specifics are to them, what's their time frame in having to move in? Right. On a sales side, I'm going to be asking, things, I'm going to be asking my clients things like, uh, or is there is there working gas? Yeah. Have you done renovations? Did you file with the city? Did you file with the Department of Buildings? Right. Are you removing the light fixtures and chandeliers that are in there? Right. Uh, you know, yes, I'm going to ask about the different carrying costs, but I'm just going to go to the managing agent on that anyway. Right. But those like key things mm-hmm. yeah. are become very important. You yeah. know, there's a washer and dryer in the apartment. Are you actually allowed to use it? Right. You know, one would think, of course, that you can, but yeah. you, these things, it, they repeat themselves all the time. So it's right. really... You know, but board standards change, and sometimes you have a washer dryer in the apartment, but, you know, now the board has said that takes too much water, so you have to replace it. Well, whose responsibility is to replace it? Correct. You know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. I mean, two things I can think of that, that seller agents really need to have their pulse on when it comes to this stuff is, number one, just, just check that assessment. I mean, if there's... Oh, my God. I mean, there, the, it, it does happen that a listing takes three, four, five, six months to sell. And the listing agreement goes up to six months. And it's very possible that when they did the due diligence on day one, something's changed. And three months later now, the board's planning something, not now, but in a couple of months, and they put that in the minutes, and you're not aware of it. And guess what? It comes out of due diligence, and that looks terrible. So, I mean, assessments up front and exclusions. Absolutely. Assessment and exclusions. Just tell it up front so that there's no... I mean, getting to the deal table, the contract table, and then getting that call from the attorney saying, why, why was I not told that these chandeliers are not part of the thing? The other but, thing, you know, just like you're saying about, uh, you were mentioning exclusions and, and what, what was the... What assessments. Was, assessments. Yeah. When you, if you know there's an assessment, you should be able to answer the question, when did it start, when did it end, yeah. and what is it for? Right. Because knowing there's an assessment, you know that that's going to be the next follow-up thing. Yeah. I mean, even asking to me exactly. what's really important. Yeah. What what have the last three increases in maintenance or common charges been? Right, looking for a historical kind of exactly. stability average. Exactly. What have the last yeah. three assessments been? And you know everyone's got to understand that, especially buyers. Look, buildings do not get better over time without spending money on these things. Of course right? not. I mean, taxes go up, maintenance goes up, and there are major capital improvements. MCI yeah, major but, capital improvements. I think a lot of agents are afraid of the truth. They don't they don't want to admit that there's it, a big uh, assessment coming and it's going to be going. It's on so much better to get it out and just put it right out there. Even put it on the listing. You know, temporary Trend. assessment. Yeah. And you know what? Convince the seller. Let's say that assessment is seven or eight thousand dollars. Convince the seller to price it in. 
He's going to pay for the entire assessment. Take it out of the listing details. Exactly. Yes, there's an assessment. Here's what it costs. Here's where it starts. And my seller's covering it. So you have no assessment exactly. coming to you. At the end of the day, I think they're going to have a better reaction because the buyer's perception when they hear assessment is like not only, oh, God, that's terrible. It's much more expensive. But what else is coming down the road? Right. But usually they don't think about that when they go to an apartment. They're like, oh, is this going to work for me? Oh, look at that view. Right. So interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. oh, we're getting down here, man. This is great stuff. Final thoughts. Uh, I'm a buyer, okay? We like to end on buyer, sellers, agents. I'm a, I'm a buyer right Okay. Now. The market's done its thing. Okay. okay. What would you tell that buyer that's about to put a bid in and start the whole process? Any, any tips you can tell them from an attorney standpoint? You know, one of the things I would do is if, if, if there's multiple offers. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously different, different set. It still happens today, just not a lot. Yeah. There's multiple offers for sure still. If there's a multiple offer, I always say, take out the contingency. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to put in an offer, make sure that your offer is going, because if you know that you're, if you know your credit's okay, and yeah. you know what your debt income yeah. ratio is, right. you have an idea, you know if you're going to hopefully the building's okay as well. Well yeah. that, listen, I always tell clients, whatever the offer goes in on, yeah. we have, I'm doing my due diligence. Yeah. If something comes up, that's going to prevent you from being able to get yeah. financing yeah. on this or something comes up that completely blows your mind and you're not gonna to wanna to do the deal. You'll see it. Yeah. You haven't signed anything yet. Yeah, you haven't signed anything. See, I mean, a lot of people don't understand that. In New York, it's not done until it's, exactly. A, you sign, send it over to the seller, seller signs, FedEx it back, now you got that cop. If someone were to intercept that FedEx and you don't receive it and that seller wants to back out, technically you can back out. That's right. If the other part doesn't receive the signed copy. Correct. Yeah, outside of New York, there's binding agreements. Of course, yeah. immediately. Yeah. So, you know, I, th I think though that when they're going to submit the offer, they basically should just make the offer having full information. Okay, so if you find yourself in a situation where you found a great place and there are multiple offer situations, the strongest thing you can do to, to complement your offer is to remove that. I, and I agree with that, by the way, if you're in that situation. Right. But you just have to make sure that your, your credit's good, you spoke to your lender, just, you spoke to I your mean, attorney. Just as you're saying, for the yeah. seller to get their homework done, buyers have to get their homework done too. Absolutely, right. and just side. understanding that you're not obligating yourself to something until you sign that contract. Right, gotcha. Um, sellers, what tip would you tell sellers? Do your homework, know your property before you're before you have that accepted offer. Right. The first thing I would do is, you know, condos, verify the taxes, verify the carrying costs, find out if there's assessments. Yeah. Uh, make sure that you've checked somebody's checked the schedule A for the square footage if you're going to list square footage. Right. Uh, if there's amenities, if there's storage, make sure you know you've told the broker exactly how it transfers. Mm -hmm. Too often people are listing comes with storage when it really doesn't come with storage. It comes with storage if it's available. Mm -hmm. So you really want to be careful of that. Interesting. It's because that can make or break and yeah. it can end up. Don't sell something that you ha you can't sell. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So knowing what it comes with, knowing what the charges per month on storage, on the pool, on the gym, whatever the amenity is that yeah. they have. Uh, making sure that DOB has been checked, mm -hmm. there's nothing open mm -hmm. there. Uh, if you did file an alteration application, speak to the managing agent beforehand mm -hmm. to make sure you could get a copy of it because it will be asked for during the course of uh, the negotiations. Uh, be honest. No, be surpri no yeah. surprises. Be honest, t t yeah. speak, you know, if, if there were leaks, state what the leaks were. If there was a problem in the apartment, state what it is. It's so true. I mean, I, I've experienced a lot of things where their air conditioning might be leaking a little bit and there might be a little bit of damage under there and people see floor damage and they think the whole floor mm -hmm. needs to get replaced when in reality it's just a leaking mm -hmm. air conditioning unit which may cost $200 to replace in the in the window or whatever it is, the wall. Right. And, uh, and there you go. Um, and finally, agents. 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 
agents that are trying to get these two buyer sales together, they're struggling. What do you, what do you tell them? You know, a couple. You of, love agents. No, I do love agents. Of course, I love agents. I get all my business from agents. Right. Um, we deal with a lot I, of stuff. I'll tell you that much. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the only thing that I would say is is to understand that, like, you know, being transparent mm -hmm. and getting full information out there is not is not intended to hurt the deal, and it will ultimately help the deal. Right. You know, you really do you. You know, how about just being a little patient? Yeah. Oftentimes, you know, I have a deal that came in on Friday. I already have people, you know, on a couple of deals and being asked, well, are they signing today? Are they signing tomorrow? Right, and it's day two. And it's, yeah. It's, it's and for the record, I mean, you got to wait wait till day 45 or something, especially if you're holding back documents from being sent over to them. Right. I mean, and at the same token, nobody wants to put their client into a place that's not the right place for their client, that's right. going to have leaks, that's going to have problems. So really just, you know, just letting letting the due diligence unravel, let the homework be done. Um, and just just really doing everything that you can do to know your buyer, know your buyer's needs yeah. and make sure that you're conveying that yeah. so that we know if the deal's coming over to the attorney is, well, this is a co-purchase and you've already made sure, you've already looked into what's allowed by the building, right. how they have to purchase so, it. So important. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, if you're a buyer broker and you have that kind of scenario, man, put that stuff on that opening bid letter to the seller broker Absolutely. and be completely transparent. I'll even call them up and say, listen, here's my situation. Uh, would you like to check with the board first and then we could deal with it later and, and proceed. Great stuff. Thank you so Great much, Jamie Heidberger, Heidberger and Associates. Thanks this for having me. Noah and John, we are talking Manhattan. We're from Urban Digs. We'll catch you next time.